You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake the booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. We are pleased to present to you Emmy and Tony Award nominee Brian Tyree Henry. He is a versatile actor whose career spans film, television, and theater. He currently stars alongside Donald Glover in the Emmy, Golden Globe, and Peabody award-winning series Atlanta. Henry plays Alfred Miles, Atlanta's hot-of-the-moment rapper who is forced to navigate fame while remaining loyal to his friends, family, and himself. He's received an Emmy, SAG, Critics' Choice, and MTV Movie and TV Award nominations for his work, and including in films such as If Bill Street Could Talk, an NAACP Award nomination. And in 2021, Henry starred in four feature films, including Marvel's Eternals. This summer, Henry starred as Lemon in the hit feature film Bullet Train, alongside Brad Pitt. This week premieres his latest film, Causeway, which we are talking about on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. He stars opposite Jennifer Lawrence in the A24 film, which is now currently streaming on Apple TV+. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast with star Brian Tyree Henry of the film Causeway, currently streaming on Apple TV+. Good, Brian. How are you? I'm doing quite well. It's, it's morning time down here in Australia, but it's good. Are you in Sydney? No, I'm in, uh, it's an area called the Gold Coast. Uh, so the, the funny part about that is, is that this area doesn't recognize daylight saving. So like everywhere <laughs> else in Australia is either an hour ahead or behind and we're just like <laughs> in between. So, but um, yeah, I'm in the Gold Coast. Oh, wow. Awesome. I, I've only been to Sydney, but Australia is a great place. So um. it's, it's pretty, it's to be below the equator. It, it's, it's, it's got its own, it's got its own vibe for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Brian, it's, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I've got you on our podcast. So thank you for talking to us on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. It, it seems like you're in everything these days. Number one, do you ever sleep? <laughs> As you can see, I'm already, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm in the future. I'm talking to you from the future. So no, um, there's no sleep. Right, right. Well, tell, tell us about your latest film, Causeway, and the role that you play in this movie. Sure. Um, Causeway, uh, where do I start with Causeway? Um, this is a, a piece that's very near and dear to my heart as most of the pieces I choose to do are, but this one in particular, uh, I'm really happy about because I don't think people have seen um, 
me this way or have seen a character like this. Um, and I know that I haven't. Uh, and what I mean by that is that what I love the most about this story is that we're dealing with two characters who, well, first, let me start with the story. What I love the most about the story is that it is a story of just existence, right? Like there's no, you know, huge like um, meaning at the end. There's no huge climax. It's just a story where people are existing in space and time and they meet each other and it goes from there. So that was something I really liked about it was the simplicity of the story, but also in the simplicity, how complex um, it, it ended up becoming. Um, I get to do this movie with the amazing Jennifer Lawrence, who is an actor that I admired for quite a while. And also under the direction of a great um, collaborator and friend of mine, Lila Neugebauer, who uh, we go all the way back to my grad school days at Yale. Um, and so what I really love the most about this story, first and foremost, was the place that it that it happens, which is in New Orleans. Um, and James, the character that I play, is a native of New Orleans who has suffered this great loss, um, being in a car accident, which leaves him as an amputee. Uh, and then he meets this character named Lindsay, played by Jennifer Lawrence, and a friendship of some sort comes together uh, from that. Um, what really attracted me the most to this part was, and, and, and bear with me on this, was how we navigate trauma, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I always have had a bit of a crunchy reaction to the, the term trauma bonding. Because I'm like, I don't know if this is necessarily a great thing <laughs> that people are, are doing with trauma bonding. I, because like what happens with stories of trauma bonding is that it is just that we're watching people connecting through trauma, being in states um, of trauma, trauma becoming kind of stasis. We never really see what happens on the other side. We never really get an opportunity to see if there is a gateway through the trauma, if there's connections that build on the other side of trauma. And I feel like Causeway uh, kind of, um, well, definitely explores that. Um, you know, I, I also really wanted to take this uh, part because I wanted to truly understand how society and how we have defined what a disability is um, and, and what disabilities mean to us, um, especially when they're disabilities that we can't see. Uh, and how we as people, especially, you know, being a person of color, being a black person in this world, like what, how we navigate through um, our, our pain and our trauma and how we often try to cover it and how grief works on us in our own way as well. So I was exploring this idea of grief um, being a disability sometimes. And by that, and I want to be very clear what I mean by that is that grief can feel like a disability in a way. It, it, because what a disability to me means is that you were in life one way and then something has altered or changed um, uh, you in one way and then you have to figure out how to navigate life completely differently. Uh, and then with disability, uh, oftentimes comes, I don't know, some kind of sense of recovery, be it physical therapy, be it counseling, being this. And when you think about grief, it can be very debilitating. And, and we don't often have the resources or people telling us that it's okay to move through grief in a way um, that will actually help you kind of like be better or, or get better. Or, you know, we often are um, captive to our grief 
Um, and so when you find these two characters in this story, you find that they both are people who are labeled as disabled in life. Um, and they meet each other at this point where they actually realize that they're not alone and in their grief and in, in their disability, they actually can just be and, and actually just exist and actually just peel back the layers of trying to figure out what all that means to them and to actually find a friendship and forge a friendship um, that will probably actually help them heal, that will actually help them meet the other side of their grief and their disability. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. Today's episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast is brought to you by... Hi, I'm Tracy Dion, author of the New York Times bestselling and award-winning Legendborn. I'm so excited to welcome readers back into Brie Matthews' world. This series explores legacies of betrayal, reimagined Arthurian legends, and a Black girl whose magic changes everything. In Legendborn, Brie infiltrates a secret magical society descended from King Arthur's knights looking for answers about her mother's death, only to uncover shocking secrets about her own ancestral power. And now, in book two, Bloodmarked, the stakes are even higher as the battle between demons and the Legendborn Order grows. If Brie has any hope of saving herself and the people she loves, she must learn to control her powers from the ancestors who wielded them first, without losing herself in the process. Check out Legendborn and Bloodmarked, books one and two in the Legendborn cycle, available wherever books are sold. I love how you articulate that, because that's so true. Like, grief... It doesn't, when you define that as a disability, it's something that you you live with, that, that, that it's something that becomes a part of you and that, um, and then eventually, like, it doesn't define who you are, that you learn to live with this thing, you learn to live with grief, and you learn to live with loss, and it's not something that you get over, it's not something that you overcome, it just becomes a part of you, and then you just go on with it. So, yeah, beautifully articulated. This this is a very different role for you as you play someone who is very complex and quite nuanced. And we're literally peeling the layers of your character as the story evolves. So what is it about James that makes him so intriguing for you as an actor? You know, uh, this is going to sound like <laughs> this is going to sound <laughs> so artsy like and i am please forgive me but i really wanted to heal uh in whatever way i could when i took this part um there were a lot of things that i had been going through in my life um that i truly was doing everything i could to cover the scars of right like like so for example i'll be very clear about this so in 2019 is when i got the script 2019 is when we shot um, you know, kind of the bare bones of what it was. And then 2020 happened. And I think we all know that 2020 was was hot and spicy, right? Like 2020 really took away a lot of things. Um, 2020 made us question a lot of things, be it, you know, our own identities, be it our own mental health, be it, you know, what was going on with, uh, you know, social injustice, what was going on with um, isolation, what we like, it was just a lot of things that you kind of had to look inward if you had the luxury of doing so, if, if you really did. And I, at the time, felt very, um, helpless i have to say like i can't i cannot lie to you i felt very helpless and if you want to talk about disabilities that's what it, it felt like it felt like i was um in a place of like well i don't know what to do 
and I don't feel like anybody understands. I don't feel like anybody, I don't know. There was just, there was just a place that I went in 2020. And then this script comes back around and, uh, you know, I'm sitting across from Jennifer and Lila and we just throw the script on the table and we're like, well, there's something missing. I was like, there's something, you know, we're all like, there's something missing. There's, there's, there's some connective tissue that we're just not really, really getting to. And I was like, oh, I know what it is. Connection. I was like, that is what is missing is the connection of like what connections look like, how connections should be, where we can find connection. Because, you know, in 2020, I was sitting around. I think all of us were like, we need to connect. I, there, like it was a, it was so many opportunities for misconnections going on. And when this came back around, I was like, it's the connective fibers that are missing for me. Why do these two um, find each other? Why are these two friends? Is there a possibility for friendship? Why has this happened? You know, like, and I realized that it was the connection that I wanted. And there was something about James that truly forced me to confront um, that yearning that I had um, that was missing in me, um, you know, because James, uh, I, I talk about him in this way of, um, have you ever met people who, uh, because grief, let's, let's start with grief, right? So uh, what I found the most intriguing about James is that he reminded me of somebody that had been in a loving relationship with the partner, right? And then that partner and he built a home together and they live together in this home. And then the partner dies in that home. And then it's just James left with the bones of that partner in that home. What, what all the remnants of that are, he's left with that. And I was like, and that's where we meet him. Like that, that, what is that kind of mindset that found home and is anchored in home and then home shifts this way in such a traumatic way and you are still left with the bones of what that is you haven't addressed it you haven't figured out how to redress it you haven't figured out how to either move on from it a part of you is in stasis and you stay there and i felt that way before i've i've felt completely trapped sometimes in a home that wasn't mine, that, that became un unidentifiable, that, that felt like I was navigating um, a completely different <laughs> uh, landscape. And I realized that grief in and of itself had become my home. Like, like you, you sometimes start making grief a place of residence and you're trying to figure out how to navigate all that. And I feel like that's what James was, was doing. Um, and so a part of me, as terrified as I was to really bring that to the surface, I was like, well, I have to showcase this because somebody like me could really use this to see that there is another side, that there is a place to make a connection with somebody, that there is a way to be seen through all of that. Um, one of my um, favorite scenes in the movie is um, we brought in the element of what James's home looks like, because before... James existed in the space, but there was never any um, ownership of the space for James. It was like he would meet Lindsay where she was, but nobody was meeting him where he was. And so, you know, we had this collaborative effort where I asked Jennifer and, and Lala, I was like, well, you know, I posed the question to them. I was like, well, when's the last time James has ever had somebody to his house? Do we know if he lives alone? You know, the last time he was in his house, I'm sure he could use the stairs. I'm sure that he could navigate the corners and go, you know, through these different rooms without that. But now he's an amputee. What does his house look like now? Um, and has anyone ever cared to go to his house? And so we then came back 
and added this scene of him inviting Lindsay to his home. And, and, and that was what was really important to me because sometimes when you're in a house of grief, you don't want to let anybody in, you know, there are no visitors. There is nobody to do, do the upkeep. You're just in it. And I really wanted to show that side of him and what that was, because then once somebody is in your home, then they really have access to who you really are from what pictures are hanging on the wall, from how it smells, from what, what kind of lighting you have, like that's really letting somebody kind of into your soul. And so what I really cared the most about about this movie is finding these two people who are from the same town, who possibly, you know, like we even have family members that went to the same high school, who there's no way that we shouldn't know each other, but we we somehow went through life not knowing who each other were until this shift happened and how home could be right under your nose and you never even knew it. A connection be right under your nose and you never even knew it if you just were willing enough to open the door and let somebody in. And I think that that's what Causeway is really about is, is realizing that you don't have to be captive to your grief or you don't have to be captive to your loss or your disability or, or anything like that. You can actually like open a door and realize that there are people willing to come in if you let them. There are people that are, there's something on the other side um, which is what I needed at the time, which is why, you know, this movie is very important to me because I just wanted to showcase that um, to people who may need to see that, to people who look like me who may need to see that, um, and, and for it to really be felt and let them know that, it, that we understand and that I understand. Well, you did a fantastic job in this film. It was so well received. I saw it at TIFF and it was absolutely well done. And just thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. You're such an incredible artist. I wanted to talk to you about more stuff, but I know we don't have much time. But thank you so much for chatting with me and, and sharing your story with uh, the work that you've done with this special film, Causeway. I really appreciate it. Of course. I'm sure we'll talk again. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Take care. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.